0: Welcome to Organizational Communication Insights, a podcast produced for the University of Southern Queensland's Master of Business Administration. I'm Dr. Daniel Maddock, a digital pedagogy and media specialist and part of the MBA design team. In this podcast series, we talk to leaders from a variety of industries about effective communication strategies. Guests explore tactics targeted to specific stakeholders and consider their impact on the brand and reputation of the organisations they lead. These interviews were recorded via the internet, so please keep this in mind as you listen to this episode.
1: Nia Yari Giyam, Jaganba na Giyabu, Yarrawa peoples, Nia Toowoomba. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Giyabu and Yarrawa peoples in a place called Toowoomba.
0: Our guest for this episode has spent the last 20 years coaching, mentoring, and developing people to become better leaders. Sally Foley-Lewis has been a CEO herself, so she understands the pressure of balancing workload, leading a team, and delivering outcomes. Sally is a member of the Professional Speakers of Australia and a fellow of the Institute of Learning Practitioners, and she also has an MBA from our very own USQ. Sally Foley-Lewis, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me.
0: Sally, can you tell the audience a little bit about your background I believe you started or were a CEO before you began your consultancy
1: yes so that the, the CEO role was one of the um one of my last uh, employed positions um, before I left Australia to uh, actually find my my true calling so but it was um it's interesting that the CEO was one of my uh, senior roles but it's probably one of two roles in my entire career that have really truly defining moments and and I think for most people their very first job is a defining moment uh, situation which was mine so I have a very eclectic CV my very first job out of a uh, university was as a recreation officer in a psychiatric hospital.
0: <laughs> right right uh uh playing games of uh, chess and uh what not with the um, inpatients?
1: Yes, doing that and doing physical activity, activities for daily living, and assessing them. But it's about you know helping people have skills they need through the use of play. And um, absolutely loved that job until there was a a moment. Um, which challenged me. And like most situations in life, you know, you get confronted with something and you have to deal with it. So yeah. But when you look at all the roles that I've had in my, in my career, there's, there's a, there is a, a thread that joins them and that's about being a communicator and wanting to help people be the best version of themselves. So That's kind of summing up all my roles into one core purpose.
0: And of course, we're talking about communication today, strategic communication. In your experience, how would you describe strategic communication?
1: Uh, Well, let's put the textbook aside and just use nice, simple language because I'm a simple girl. Uh, I truly believe that when we want to be a strategic communicator, we need to think about uh, what's the message I need to send? Does that truly align with the the work we're trying to do, the purpose that we're here for? And then putting into that whole mix, when I have to say what I have to say, is the message uh, exactly measuring up? Will they understand the intent? And then also choosing the right mediums in which to send that message. And I think in, in, today's, in today's kind of uh, world of work, we need to be having more than one of those <laughs> mediums to send a message. So to me, it's a mix of your intent, the actual message you want to send and the alignment to purpose.
0: So that intent has to align with the message you want to send you have to make sure, I guess, that the receiver of the message is getting the message that you intended to send in the first place. Do you find that there's often alignment with that or that, it, that it, in your experience, has it been out of alignment?
1: Oh, is that a trick question? (laughs) I think, you know, that's the reason why I think leaders need to find multiple ways in which to say the same thing. And the reason why I say that is because what, you know, you and I can be standing in the same meeting and we will interpret the same message differently. And that's why, you know, in answering your question, yes, it does get messed up. And yes, it does get mixed up and misinterpreted. And, you know, we can spend hours blaming, but the reality is we need to make sure that we've closed a loop. It's not from A to B. It's actually from A to B and back to A again. As a communicator, the the most successful and effective communicators choose multiple ways to get the message across and also check that the understanding is as uh, like we say it equals the intent.
0: Now how do you do something like that when it's not just a party to a party single people or or small groups of people but when you're talking to your entire organisation or even more challenging to the external public
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we need to pick the best uh, medium in which to send that message. We need to pick a medium in which we are using all of what we have available to us to make sure that that message is understood. And I was just doing a little bit of research recently around how hearing the tone of a voice is actually hugely important and significant to understanding the intent of a message, more so than body language these days. And so it's really interesting to follow communication research to see what comes out of, you know, what people are finding. So so to me, the key piece to that is using a methodology or a medium that makes sure that people can hear your tone, maybe people can see you, as well as crafting up the clear and concise and direct language that you want to send. So, you know, for any senior leaders out there who hate video, get over yourself, I'm <laughs> afraid. We have to be on video. We have to make sure that when we are we are communicating a message that we um, are giving ourselves so that we're not wasting time, we're not inadvertently creating you know, mistakes down the line, um, but we're using the best of what we can use in order to get our message across the right way, the complete way, um, the correct way. And I think also that goes for when um, you talk about our external stakeholders, you know, you, you just look at LinkedIn as a one platform example, right? the sheer number of CEOs over the last 18 months who have actually stepped up and put themselves into a LinkedIn Live, actually gone to camera, really shared a message and actually also shared something quite authentic and genuine about themselves um, has really resonated with their audience, aka their stakeholder, their customer, their client, where their money is coming from.
0: So communication is is multifaceted you're talking about not just the content so the words we're saying the message that's underlying in those words that we choose but also the form and indeed the the multiplicity of forms you know it could be social media it could be in in a forum it could be many ways but the form of how that is presented what we're wearing our body language the the tone that we take the the overall emotion that we feel it's somewhat performative But without being an act, how does it remain authentic?
1: I think it remains authentic because. I'm sitting here with you right now, and while people are listening to this podcast, I know, Daniel, you can see that there's a splash of red behind me, and I'm wearing navy, and I'm wearing my signature red lipstick. Now, that's me, personal brand, Sally Foley-Lewis, who chooses to get up every single day and put on blue and red because, A, she doesn't want to have to think about it, but, B, that's brand Sally. Now, is that also authentic Sally? Hell yes. And please forgive me for saying it, but that's who I am. So any CEO who chooses to get up and speak up, even though they're standing in a well-branded environment, they can still be themselves. They can still tell their truth. You're just telling your truth from the best version of yourself. And um, let's face it, when we, when we think about what our audience wants, what employees want from their leaders is they don't necessarily need good news. What they need is the truth. And what they need then is, um, I want to say hope, but hope is not a strategy. What they want is an aspiration. What they want is a leader who says, this is the truth. Yes, it hurts. And I know that together we can work through this. To me, that's where that authenticity comes from. To me, that's where you don't have to necessarily sugarcoat. And also the other thing around that uh, is around when leaders are uh, don't have the confidence to actually be direct. They, they misinterpret direct communication as being rude or blunt. And it's, they're not the same thing. Direct is just saying exactly what's going on. Rude and blunt is saying it in a rude and blunt way and being um, crass or being uh, aggressive. So there's two different things. And I think when leaders me- mess that up, they get themselves into a position where they then start to be
0: inauthentic. Talking about strategic planning um, for the business, uh, decision making, operational activities, how does communication fit in with those? Does one lead the other? Is it something that always has to be in mind at all of those meetings that you take, that you have with your team?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think one goes with the other. and, And I don't think it's you can try and put it into a linear flow chart to make sense of it. But at the end of the day, I kind of like this whole idea of of looking at it like a spider's web, because from every point that you are operating, whether you're in a planning phase, then you need to communicate part of those planning phases. And communication is not just messages out. It's also listening in and, and, and taking messages in as well. We often forget the listening part of communication. And A leader who wants to be strategic and particularly strategic in their decision making, in their planning, and therefore in their communication, will also listen. So to me, at every facet, whether it's planning, decision making, um, change management, uh, dealing with with a crisis, because, you know, a couple of us have had a bit of a crisis lately, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's about communication at every step of the way.
0: So every step of the way, does that mean that communication is not something that just happens at the end of a project when you have an outcome to report, but as you say, something that happens in a planning stage? So you're letting all the stakeholders know what's going on all the time?
1: For me, I believe so. And the reason why is, and this is something that I am confronted with time and time again when I'm working with leaders, is they They go into a planning phase thinking that they're the ones that have to do the planning and the decision-making solo. They think that the whole world is on their shoulders and there's this massive expectation that they have to set out the plan so that everyone else can then come and implement. And one of the biggest things that goes wrong in that scenario is that they've not included anyone in that process. So no one has any sense of ownership. Now, if we flip that and we encourage the leader to to communicate about the plan, we open up the doors to the planning process and say, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think? Uh, They communicate questions and they listen for input. Then what we sometimes find, more often than not, is our team lean in and get excited so that when it comes time to implement the plan, when it comes time to report on the plan and communicate the outcomes, people feel like they've had a part of it. People have a sense of pride. People will put a little bit more skin in the game or go the extra mile. That's what, to me, that's what communicating can do when we start earlier and have communication at every point along the way.
0: You've worked with lots of leaders from lots of different businesses. To what extent do you feel the communication needs change from business to business, private sector versus public sector and so on?
1: At a, at a macro level, it doesn't. You know, to me, it's a case of communicate, communicate, communicate. When we, when leaders don't communicate, what tends to happen is the team start talking and gossiping and making things up and not intentionally. Um, as a to to make things wrong but it's a sense of safety it's a sense of well I'll, they start speculating they start guessing which turns into that gossip and so that can then lead to you know decisions or people taking the initiative or or doing things that really they shouldn't be doing simply because there's a lack of information out there. There's a lack of direction from a senior level. And so when our leaders don't communicate, whether it is in private or public or small or large or not for profit or for purpose, when they're not communicating, our our people tend to find their own way. And, And sometimes that's without guidance and that's without that strategic direction. So to me, it doesn't matter where you are as a senior leader, you need to be communicating. And what you communicate, obviously at that micro level, at the at the local level, that's going to obviously change. You know, we all know that if we look at uh, a public sector environment, we've got a lot of policy-driven sort of messages, whereas when we're in a, uh, say, a, a for-purpose, small micro uh, organisation where we're a social enterprise, we might be talking about um, the purpose and the vision and the mission and the outcome um, for that key stakeholder uh, Government also talks about stakeholders, but in a very different way. So, it, you know, at a micro level, the messages are obviously going to be different, but at a macro level, communicate, communicate, communicate. Do you think I'm on a record going around and around on this?
0: Uh, th- that's probably a record in terms of the amount of times communicate has been said in <laughs> one go. But And you're welcome. Th- 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 <laughs> that's what we're all about today. And I think, you know, it's human nature, as you're saying, to fill in the blanks. Uh, it may have been B'nai Brown that said uh, that um, if there isn't information out there that we tend in in terms of that human nature to create uh, almost subconsciously our own story about what's going on. So as you're saying that the staff don't know what's going on and they start to subconsciously, unconsciously fill in the blanks um, without trying to tell stories but it's just human nature and then of course over time that can blow out of proportion
1: definitely and 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 like i said it's inadvertent but it's a sense of trying to feel safe it's a, it's it's a sense making exercise that i think that people try to do and so that's why it's so important that leaders are sharing even when and I, and here's the other thing even when there's nothing new to say you still need to say something you need to be visible and audible so that your what people are hearing is that keep going you're doing well there's nothing new to report actually nothing's changed so you know let's enjoy this stability for a moment because let's face it we always have a lot of change going on around us talk about how not nice it is to have a little bit of stability and how maybe we just stay this course and we're still doing well. If there's anything you want to ask me, come and talk to me. If you have any ideas, I'm here, I'm listening. So even when there's nothing new to say, say something.
0: And religion um, teaches us to do that quite well, doesn't it? If you think about a lot of the major religions around the world, there is a constant and continuous uh, communication, a need to repeat Repeat, repeat the same things over again. Pray several times a day, or hear from the minister several times a day about God or why we why we love Jesus or, or whatever the message is that's coming out of these religions.
1: Yeah, well, I used to live in the Middle East, and and you know those five prayers, five prayers a day. The call to prayer would come on five times a day, um, and I have to say, I actually loved it. I really there's something that's quite Um, safe about that there's that there's that regularness if that's a word (laughs) regularity I should say Um, I'm making words up now there's a regularity to it that then gives you that sense of safety around um, what's happening in that society yeah
0: because that's the other thing isn't it people forget
1: Mm. well people get busy and then when they're not you know when they do have that moment to pull their head up and look around and see what's going on that's when that's when that sort of storytelling can can occur so as leaders we need to be mindful of of that regular communication they need to be mindful also of that communication being aligned to the strategy and that's the key piece about that strategic communication am, am i being consistent in my message that aligns to the strategy and the intent and am i using the right Methods and and mediums for sending my messages.
0: Do you have an experience you can share of when you've helped leaders communicate strategically, and when that um, help that you've given to them has altered decisions that the business has made?
1: So one of the things that happened this is a little while ago. I'm um I'm probably going to get you know shot down for this one, but but you you have you heard of smart goals? Yes. Yes. So most people have, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, resource, time bound. Now, I don't mind that. I think that it's really the the idea of the acronym to help form um, a goal is really clever. However, I find the process, the way in which I've taught it, the way in which I was you know, tasked to teach it when I was a corporate trainer, um, the way it was taught to me, dead boring. <laughs> and also, it falls short of actually getting into the nuts and bolts of what it's meant to be doing and meant to be achieving. So, I worked with this organization who were, um, I had one leader who absolutely obsessed with smart goals. And so, when I, wo- I was uh, brought into the organization, because even though um, this leader loved SMART goals and used it to form their communications process, no one was doing any of the work. No one was implementing the plan that, that were being created. So with their permission, I asked if I could do a bit of an audit of the team and get input around why they weren't doing the plans. And it was a safe environment. They could tell me exactly, honestly, why they weren't doing the plans. And so the the generally speaking, the outcome was I have no idea why the plan had come about, uh, had no input into the plan, don't really align with the plan and what I'm doing day to day. Uh, it makes no sense to me um, and I don't really care about the plan. So, you know, that was, and I thought, thank goodness, these employees uh, spoke up to me and told me the truth. So when I took that back to the leader, when we sat down we looked at the process that leader took They understood that they had ignored or they left out of the process, the team, to have that input into the planning. So that changed significantly from the next, into their next planning phase. The team were brought in much earlier. But I also introduced a whole idea of not going with SMART goals to start with, but actually asking the team, like flipping it around and having the team direct the process. And as a strategic, like as a strategy, be a facilitator, not a dictator, and so I worked with that leader to come up with a process where they would be facilitating the session and they, you know, even the leader had to be the scribe, they weren't allowed to put any input in. Even when even when the employees asked questions about, well, can we do that, the leader said, I don't know, but I'm putting it on the board. Um, like deliberately do that as a first step so that the team actually felt like they had ownership they had input and what happened was from that prior from the from when I did the audit to 18 months later the leader had said to me when I when we went in and did a a debrief and about how it all went some of the outcomes were the leader felt as though they had far more time to be a strategic thinker which is part of you know every senior leader needs to be doing that strategic thinking so they had more time to do that they had a far better plan than they had ever had in the past. And everyone was talking about the plan and everyone was doing the plan and working the plan. And people were actually excited about the next coming plan. And so it absolutely meant that resources weren't being wasted. Uh, Employees were engaged. uh, uh, People's people's PDPs, you know, their their professional development plans and and their annual reviews were far more positive. Um, So, you know, did all the elements of the plan work? No, but that's life. But the process worked. And the engagement ramped up, and as a leader, that leader gained a whole lot more respect from his, from from their people.
0: One of the key facets that you've pointed out there of communication is engagement, engaging your audience, whether it's internal um, stakeholders um, or the public. How does having that sort of understanding of communication, of the principles of communicating, affect businesses and organisations, whether they be non-profit or profit, private or public sector uh, companies?
1: I think that it, what it does is it equips the leader to choose the right messages, to choose the timing of the message, to uh, make sure that they when they sit down and think out what the message needs to be, that when they think about the principles of communicating strategically, that they end out with a better product. They end out with a better message and they end out with a message that reaches people quicker and is understood better. Uh, And I think that's that's the key piece. And even when they get it wrong, and let's face it, you know, we've all seen some pretty interesting messages that, you know, hashtag fails that are out there, but the better organisation follows it up with a really good apology and a fix. And even that is a strategic process where they've used the principles properly. So to me, I think when, when a leader understands the, the key principles of communicating strategically, they're going to also and here's the other thing I'm finding really recently they slow it down a little bit they don't rush at getting um just any sort of message out there they actually slow it down enough to be able to think craft and plan and then deliver so that it lands the way they want it to land
0: do you then as a leader have a process for judging how that's landed for collecting responses
1: Oh, I think so. I think if you're, if you're, you know, h- how does your organisation measure success? You know, if it's about uh, profit, then you know that's a fairly basic one. Um, but if it's about touch points, you know, how many touch points has your market um, had with your product or your brand? It could be how many stakeholders have you reached. It could be how many mouths have you fed. Could it be how many patients? Have come through your service, or how quickly a patient goes through your service. I've done a little bit of work with a, with um, uh, some health professionals, and some of the metrics there are around reducing patient touch points because you actually don't want patients. You want to reduce the number of touch points with a patient. So, you know, what's your measure of success? And then thinking as a leader, you know, you reverse engineering that and saying if I want. If I want to make sure that we increase the number of stakeholders that actually engage with our service in this particular X, Y and Z, then what do I need to do? What's the message? What's the intent? What's the, what's the, uh, what are the key points I need to make in my message to make sure that matches that? And then, obviously, you'll need to put in the, those measures or put in the, the process to measure that that's happened.
0: Sally, you've given lots of great examples and uh, knowledge to us today on the podcast. I wonder if there's one thing you can leave our students with who are going to be leaving this degree, entering into management and and maybe even hopefully junior leadership roles. What's one piece of advice you can give to them about understanding the importance of strategic communication?
1: I've got three. Can I give three, Daniel? You can.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Three for the price of one.
1: Three for the price of one. You heard it. You heard it here first, folks. Um, so the first one is slow it down. Absolutely, slow it down. We when we get into the world of work and everything and everyone ramps up the sense of urgency. We can fall into a trap of communicating anything at any time. Whereas I, that's not strategic. So just taking a breath and and giving yourself the gift and it's also, it's not really a gift, it's actually essential. um, Giving yourself that time to think about what you want to say and why you want to say it. So time is really important. And it doesn't mean hours, but it does mean enough minutes so that you can get clarity around your message and your intent. The second one is, and this came from a mentor of mine, and it comes from a more of a marketing context, but it absolutely resonates in strategic communication. And this is you're never as loud as you think you are. And what I mean by that is as a leader, you need to be communicating far more than you think you are and far more than you think is enough. Like I was, we were saying before, even when you think there's nothing to say, say something. Let the team know you've still got a heartbeat and a voice and you're there with them and for them. And then the third one is making sure that your message is in enough places and in enough versions (laughs) that... It can be understood and received by different people. We all hear things differently, so get over yourself and get on video. And don't just rely on an email or the intranet or the Yammer or the or the Slack or whatever's out there in the IMing world. But also video, voicemails. Get yourself going as a if you're if you're a CEO today, then where's your podcast? You know, so um, choose multiple channels because we all hear things differently. So that's my three.
0: That's that's a fantastic uh, three, Sally. Very important for our students here. And I hope they all get over themselves and get on media too. So thank you very much, Sally Foley-Lewis, for joining us on the show today. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure and good luck to everyone. Information about our guests can always be found in the podcast show notes in your podcast app or on the course site. This has been a University of Southern Queensland podcast.